Hey there and welcome to Soul Church. Our prayer is that this message encourages you wherever you may be in life. You know, we've been hearing so many stories about what God is doing in people's lives and we'd love to hear yours. So take a second and send your story to stories at soulchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us today and we hope that you enjoy the message. God bless. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this amazing weather that you've sent us. We're loving it. We're enjoying it. And uh, we might be having a staycation, but keep that sun on it. But Lord, we come to the, the moment where you want to speak to us through your word and deal with this big issue. Father, we're going to be really attacking a big one today. And so I'm going to need your strength and your anointing afresh, Father, to, to be able to help people move past this mask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, would you thank the worship team on the way down to your seat? The goal of this series is to become more like Jesus. With 2 Corinthians 3.18, is talking about being transformed into his likeness. Uh, week one, we looked at fear. Week two, rejection. Week three and four, we looked at shame and guilt and then perfectionism. Last week, we uh, tackled a, a difficult mask, the mask of insecurity. If you missed last week, I encourage you to um, catch up on that on YouTube or online. And I think... What God is trying to show us in this whole series is the greatest gift to the world is you being the real you. You being the you that God created you to be. Not the version of you that someone else wants you to be, but you being the version that God created you to be. Last week, Colin Tomlin prayed so beautifully, but he started with the Lord's Prayer. And when he was praying, I felt the Holy Spirit prodding me just to open today with this scripture. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. This verse talks about the atmosphere of heaven. Our Father who art in heaven. The atmosphere of heaven is an atmosphere of peace. The atmosphere of earth right now is the complete opposite to heaven. It's an atmosphere of anxiety. But God wants us to live in the spiritual atmosphere of heaven here on earth. The will of heaven, often we talk about peace on earth, goodwill to all men at Christmas, but God wants us to live in the peace of heaven here on earth. So today as we unmask anxiety, my prayer is that we release God's kingdom of heaven here on earth. Now, I encourage you today to take notes. The reason I'm going to encourage you to take notes is you're going to need them for the rest of your life. Rejection comes and goes, and insecurity comes and goes, but what we're talking about today, when it comes to anxiety, is something which I believe we all battle with on a daily basis. Who'd be honest to say they get anxious Sometimes, occasionally, all the time. Come on, just have a real honest moment here. You face anxiety. Now, last week we talked about if it's on Google, it's true. So here's some more facts from Google. The top 10 things we get anxious about. Okay, we'll go bottom to top. Number 10, our pet's health. Your poor little moggy. True story. I was at Bible school. I got asked to house sit. They had a cat called Billy, and it died on my watch. Okay, that was a very anxious conversation, as you can imagine, with the owners as they came back from the Seychelles. Number nine, the ninth thing we get 
uh, anxious about is our dress sense. Some of you obviously don't, but a lot of you do. I'm kidding. If you got offended, sorry. Speak to Alan. Saturday night ritual in the Norman family. Chantel tries on six different outfits. And uh, she asks me the same question every week. What do you think? Well, gentlemen, there is a no-win scenario attached to that question. You can't win. If you say you look amazing, you're just saying that. If you don't say anything, then you know, you're, just, you're just in trouble. So I'll move on. Number eight. The eighth thing we worry about, get anxious about, is whether our partner still loves us. So do you love me? She loves me. Okay, so I can tick that off my list. Number seven is paying the rent or the mortgage. Number six is wrinkles. Chantel's also just bought this new little machine and she goes into the bathroom every night and does this thing and I don't know what it does. Well, it's doing something, obviously. And it's obviously, a, it's obviously a, you know, it brings anxious thoughts to her. Number five, job security. Number four, debt. Number three, my diet. Number two, my savings. But the number one thing we get anxious about, are you ready? Getting old. Getting old. My mum walked in with a picture photo album a few weeks ago into my house. And uh, she goes, John, look at this photo. You look so young. I said, mum, I was 18 when that photo was taken. (laughs) But it's a true story. Now, when, when I talk in the book about anxiety, I'm also referring to worry. It's kind of interchangeable in the message. So, But someone said to me recently, they said, I'd come to church and said, John, you look, you look really worried today. What, I'd, what I realized is that I'd left the house with a mask on, the mask of anxiety. And I want to start with this question because it made me think a lot about anxiety in that moment. The question I have for you is, what is the one thing that makes you anxious? What is the one thing? I mean, there's a whole lot of things. We could talk, and we've had a little bit of fun, but what's the one thing that makes you anxious? Is it the thought of not being able to see your children at the moment? Is it the thought of not being able to pay your bills? Is it the thought about wanting to be married and being single? What's the one thing that makes you anxious? For me, my big, if I had to answer that question, it's, this moment right now in the week when I speak. Because I'm constantly asking myself, is the message going to work? Is it going to be received? Are people going to get offended? Are people going to, has lives going to be moved forward? So I spend my whole week building up to this moment. And so it can actually cause of everything I do. If you thought the new church makes me anxious, it really doesn't. I'm just like trusting God, trusting him. But when it comes to the Sunday moment, this is the bit for me. Okay, so I've shared you my moment, so I want you to think about what is the thing that makes you anxious. It's really important that we know what that is. You see, anxiety is a mask that the enemy wants us to continually wear. And here's what I'm realizing as I I get older. Anxiety never kills the problem, but it slowly kills me. Anxiety never kills the problem, but it has this effect where it slowly kills me. And when we're anxious, what we're doing is actually tormenting ourselves. In fact, I'll go one further. I'll say we're actually doing the devil's job for him. 
Because the devil wants to torment us. But when we're anxious, we actually torment ourselves. And the Bible, as I said in week one when we talked about fear, there are 365 do-nots in the Bible. And that's referring to fear and worry and anxiety. And Jesus recognizes this is a big issue for humanity. And he says this in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life. This is a command. This isn't a gentle suggestion or an idea. This is a command from Jesus. Do not be anxious. Now, why is Jesus speaking on this topic? Because he knows the damage that anxiety causes in a person's life. So I want to just share, just really quickly, four fruits of anxiety. Help us understand the damage it does. The first thing is this, is anxiety is a thief. John 10.10 says the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We spend so much of the energy that God's given us to create and come up with ideas and be inventive and innovative. We come up with, uh, the enemy steals it because it, it, in fact, it robs us of making memories and enjoying life because we're so anxious. We can't enjoy the game of golf because we're so worried about something at work. We can't enjoy the holiday because we're worried about something that's happening in the family. And anxiety steals the life which Christ gave us. Joyce Meyer says this, she says, worry, I don't know if you can see me on camera, so I'll move my chair, but worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but your life can't move forward. So what you do is you just rock back and forth, thinking about what should have happened, what could happen. I quite like preaching in this. It's quite relaxing. So many people and so many Christians live their lives in Rocking chairs, back and forth. The second thing, and this is heavy going, guys. Sorry about this, but this is pretty straight. But anxiety is a sin. Romans fourteen twenty three. Everything that does not come from faith is sin. Unless you can be anxious by faith, the Bible calls it a sin. I didn't call it a sin, the Bible did, so don't write to me. Write to Paul. It's heavy going, isn't it? Third thing is this. Anxiety is a disease. Think about the word disease. Dis-ease. It's a medical fact that anxiety can bring on disease. We lose ease. We lose the rest. We, we lose the shalom of God, which Rachel was speaking about. And what happens is it creates dis-ease in our bodies. Dis-ease creates disease. Can you see why Jesus would tackle this big one? Proverbs 14.30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body. A heart at peace. Well, turn that scripture around on its head. The opposite is true also because it, an anxious heart brings death to the body. Heart at peace. The fourth, the fourth fruit of anxiety is anxiety is now the new normal in society. It's become such a normality for a large majority of people in our world. Yesterday I looked it up. 
And one in six people, that's over one million people now in the UK, post-COVID, suffer with mental health leading to anxiety attacks and disorder. One million people. Well, if ever there was a word that the church need to hear, it's today. That's why I'm saying take notes, because you don't need them today, you need them for the rest of your life. So what's the answer? What's the answer? Do we just bow and accept that this is the new normal? We just have to live with anxiety? We have to live with anxious living? Or could there be another way to live our lives? I'm going to turn to my favorite book of the Bible, the book of Philippians. I love this book because it's written by a man on death row, Paul, the apostle. If anyone has a reason to feel anxious, it's someone who's spending their last few days on earth. If anyone has a a good enough reason to wear a mask of anxiety, Paul does. He's in jail for spreading the news of Christ across Eastern Europe. And from these two I'm going to read two verses in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. And from these two scriptures, Paul gives us six shifts to move our thinking from the kingdom of earth to the kingdom of heaven. The will of God, which is peace on earth as it is in heaven. Let's read this. Let's read this portion together. Philippians 4. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guide your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Six shifts. Are you ready? Number one is this. God wants to shift us from worrying to rejecting. Paul's very first word is he says this, don't, don't. I don't know about you, but when someone just comes into a conversation with don't, you know they're serious. You know, if someone says, oh, should we have a catch-up, have a coffee, sit down, how are you doing? And slowly gets to the point. But Paul doesn't do that. He goes straight to the point. He says, we gotta, we got to cut this thing right at the root. Pull it up. Don't worry about anything. Bob Marley was right. Don't worry about a thing, because every little thing is going to be all right. You know, Bob Marley, you thought, oh, he wrote that one. He just pulled that straight out of Philippians. (laughs) The devil's narrative is to worry about everything. That's his narrative. Oh, it's hot today. I'm going to get sunburned. So cold, God, the kids might freeze themselves to death. You know how the devil plays with your mind? And we buy into his narrative. But Paul's first word from a man who's on death row says, Don't worry. Don't worry, Sue. Don't worry, friend online. Anxiety, write this down. Anxiety is not God's plan for your life. On Thursday, I was out in the garden. Beautiful day, wasn't it, Thursday? And a wasp landed on my arm. Now, I had two choices. I could have thought, you know what, I'll take care of that in a minute. You just do your thing. Or, I could be like, get behind me, Satan. Sorry if you're a wasp lover. But you know what the enemy does? 
The enemy's like a, a wasp. He comes with anxious stings. You don't wait and say, I'll take care of it in a minute. You get rid of that wasp as quick as you can because you know that that wasp has every intention to cause you harm. And some of us have accepted worry, anxiety as part of our lives. And you've allowed the wasp to keep stinging you all over your mind, all over your body. And today is a new day. And you came to church. If you take nothing away today, here's this. Don't worry. Don't worry. The first shift in removing the mask is deciding that you actually don't want to wear, to wear it. I was speaking to someone recently. They said, well, John, I get that, but I'm a born warrior. I'm a born warrior. It's just who I am. Well, that's not how God created you to be. Psalm 139, 14 says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. It does not say you are fearfully and worryingly made. It says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God made you. So the first one is to, is to shift, to reject the lie that anxiety is just who I am. Shift number two is this. Shift from rejecting to trusting. Don't worry about anything. I don't know you, that's a pretty strong statement. Has he met your boss? Does he know the state of your finances? Does he, does he know that you've been single for 20 years searching for that special one? This is where we shift into trusting. See, we cannot be anxious for nothing on our own. Willpower, I'll say this again, willpower is not enough. It's not enough. You need God's power in your life. I love willpower. We need willpower. But there's something greater than willpower, and it's God's power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You see, the longer you are in a relationship, the less you have to worry. Chantal and I have been married now 15 years, but when we were first dating, the reality is she probably didn't trust me and I didn't trust her. Why? Because trust takes time. If you meet someone and think, oh, they're amazing, just take your time. Just find out how many skeletons are hidden away. Just take, oh, da-da-da-da, no, just relax. Because trust takes time. Trust takes time. But the longer I've been with Chantel, here's what's happened. I just keep trusting it even more. So Chantel comes home late one night. I'm not sitting there thinking the worst. I'm just thinking something's happened, as in, but I haven't stopped trusting her. Now, this, this thing from shifting rejection to trusting is a lot harder if you're new to faith. Because you're learning about God. I've been a Christian now for 30 plus years. But I trust God with my whole life. But I probably couldn't have said that 25 years ago. Because the longer I serve him, the more I know him. And the more I can trust him. So for some of you, this is, maybe you've only been coming to church a few weeks. Or you've checked in online. You're like, how can I trust God? You're not just going to trust him overnight. I get it. Because you're new to faith. But the longer you serve him, the more you get to know him, the deeper your trust will be in. Apostle Paul said in Philippians 3.10, he says, my determined goal is to know him. My determined goal is to know him and the power of the resurrection. 
I want to encourage you to keep getting to know Jesus. Don't get to know Soul Church. We'll let you down. Honestly, if you fall in love with Soul Church, we're in trouble. But if you fall in love with Jesus, he will never, he will never let you down. He will never let you down. We are, this church is run by humans, human beings. But Jesus, he is our Lord and he is our Savior and we can trust him. The third shift is to shift from trusting to humbling. This is a big one because Paul says here, don't worry about anything. Then he says, instead, pray about everything. Paul says there's an alternative to worry and anxious living. Worries never changed anything. Worry has never changed anything. Here's a guy on death row and he should be worried. Now anxiety is rooted in the fact that we want to try and solve all of our own problems. That's what anxiety is. It's rooted in the fact that I'm going to solve my problems. And if I get as desperate as desperate can be, I might bring God into the equation. God wants you to get involved in every detail, in every decision of your life. If you need a parking space as you pull into the mall, God wants to get involved in that decision. If you need God to heal you from cancer, he wants to get involved in that decision. God is into your good days and your bad days, your small decisions, your big decisions. God is into every intricate detail of your life. Peter says this. He says in 1 Peter 5, 6, he says, Humble yourselves, soul church. I added that bit. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that the proper time he may exalt you. Casting. Look at this. Casting all, all your anxieties, the small ones, the big ones, on him. Because he cares for you. This verse means, don't even begin to think that you can solve your problems. Gone, God, I am nothing without you. God, I am nothing without you. We cast our cares and concerns. This is where we move from trusting to humbling. We have to humble ourselves before God. Guys, this is really difficult because we want to we want to get the credit for solving our own problems. God, take away, God doesn't need our help, He needs our hearts. He needs our hearts. God just needs to know that we long for his heart in this situation. God doesn't also need your suggestions. God doesn't need my suggestions on how he should solve my problems. You ever, pray, you ever prayed a loaded prayer? God, can you do this? And by the way, you should think about doing it that way. You should make him call me. God, I want to hear from her. God's like, can you just let me do my job? You are the co-pilot in this adventure. The co-pilot. And we are in really safe hands with the pilot. Someone sent me an unkind email a few weeks ago. Just for a moment, it caused some anxiety in our home. And then I remembered it was a wasp. It was just a wasp. So I could allow that wasp to keep stinging me 
and keep stealing my sleep and stealing my joy and stealing my time with my children and stealing our time and our marriage. And, or I just make a decision, you know what, splat. Splat. Then I started telling God what he needed to do to that person. And you've done the same. God, what you need to do. You know what we've got to do? Just humble ourselves before God. Not my will, but your will be done. Trust him with your anxious thoughts. Believe that when we pray, the answer is on the way. Do you, do you know you can pray as a ritual or you can pray with faith? You know, some of us do the prayer request moment. Or we can pray in faith. God, I'm believing right now for that mum. I'm believing for a miracle. I come to you in faith in the precious name of Jesus. This isn't just a moment in the service. But Father, by faith, you're going to shift and move. You see the difference between that? God wants us to humble ourselves. And here's three things that you never should expect from God. When, how, or who. When's it going to be solved? How are you going to solve it? And who are you going to help me do it? God's like, you leave me with the when, the how, and the who. And just trust me. And for some of us today, we've got to move from trusting to humbling. As Peter said, to humble ourselves before the almighty God. God has promised to meet your daily needs. By the way, it doesn't say your weekly needs or your annual needs. It says your daily bread, your daily needs. He'll figure out tomorrow how he's going to get you it tomorrow. But the same God that provided for you this week is the same God that will prove for you this week. The same God who looked after you in 2020, in one of the most challenging years since we've been on planet Earth, is the same God who's going to take care of you in 21 and 22 and 23. He'll give you what you need when you need it. The writer of the Hebrews, he reassured us of that. Remember last week, Hebrews, we don't know who wrote it, all we know is he loves coffee. Hebrews. Oh, some of you are just getting that now. Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I want to just clear up some really bad theology If you've messed up this week, which basically means if you've made a mistake or sinned, God can still bless you. God does not punish his children when we make a mistake. Look at this. It says, therefore, come boldly. It's not to the throne of judgment. It's not to the throne of punishment. It's to a throne of grace. And there we, first of all, we obtain mercy, and then he gives us grace and help in our time of need. Wow, come on, somebody thank God. Two years ago, I did a series, or three years ago now, we did a series in church called This Belongs to God, which is basically some of this message I talk about in the book about what we do when we don't know what to do, basically. And I encouraged 
I encouraged our church family to create almost like a little letterbox. It doesn't have to be this big. It's quite intrusive. Especially if people come over and they say, what's that? And you have to tell them. But you could create something a little bit smaller in your, in your house. And when you have an anxious thought, when you have a, an issue in your work, your family, your marriage, you just write it down and just post it. You say, well, what will that do? I'll tell you what that will do. That will tell God you've humbled yourself. Say, God, I I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent this month. But God, I cast my cares and my anxiety on you because this belongs to God. Because God, you will make a way where there seems to be no way. And this is one of the coping mechanisms that Chantal and I have used for the last three years. When we have issues in life and circumstances happen, we have these four words that this belongs to God. These are four words we have up in our kitchen. And every day, we, this belongs to God. An email comes in, this belongs to God. A staff challenge, this belongs to God. You've got to, give, you've got to find a way of connecting your problem to the throne room of heaven. That's why we need a physical reminder like a box. Talk, take it to him. Talk it through with him and leave it with him. Leave it with him. Can I encourage you, don't give it to God on a Sunday and then pick it up again on a Monday. Some of you, you can, I can already feel faith building in the room right now. I can already feel a sense of expectation that God's on the move. But I'll encourage you Don't drop it today and then pick it up tomorrow. If you've given it to God, you've given it to God. This belongs to God. Come on, let's say that out loud. This belongs to God. This belongs to God. I wonder what the one thing that we thought about at the start of this message belongs to God. Number four, then we shift from humbling to thanking. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. And then Paul says, and thank him for all he's done. Paul Paul really should have nothing to thank God about if you're in jail. Especially in the death row jail. Yet he understands this powerful principle, which is gratitude breaks the power of anxiety. I cannot emphasize this enough. Gratitude breaks the power of anxiety. What does it do? Gratitude gives us perspective. We're fortunate enough and blessed enough to be able to sponsor a couple of compassion children like many of you do. And we don't just have their little pictures in a drawer, in a cupboard. We have them on our fridge. The reason we have them on our fridge is they give us a sense of perspective. Because when I see these beautiful little faces of David and Sarah on our fridge, and I see in the background the intense heat that they have to live in, and I see the letters that they write where they literally have enough for today, suddenly I go, actually, it's one thing to face a pandemic in East Anglia with furlough and NHS and all the amazing things we have. It's another thing to be facing this in some of the poorer nations of this world. And this is why, church, we've got to keep a sense of gratitude in this season. I know it's not been easy. I know it's been difficult. But you know, so many children in these countries don't even have a school to go to. And the fact our kids got taken out of school and we had to homeschool them for a few months, actually, big picture, everything's going to be all right. And so we've got to come to God 
press pause and take a moment to thank him. Psalm 92 verse 1 says it's good to give thanks to the Lord and sing praises to his name. You know, a thankful heart will change the way you see life. If you're going to rock in your chair, you rock with gratitude. Rather than rocking with anxiety, begin to rock and say, God, I'm so grateful. It's not been an easy year, but you looked after me. I've had difficulties at work, but you took care of me. God, you've been with me every step of the way. If you're going to rock, rock with a sense of thankfulness for what God has done in your life. Suddenly, we've got to take our eyes off what's in front of us and lift our eyes unto the hills from whence cometh our help. Fifth shift is this. We've got to shift from thanking to receiving. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And then this... The shift in the, in, in, in the passage, it says, then you will experience God's peace. I've always preached that peace and happiness are different, but from this chapter, actually, Paul talks about peace on two different levels. He talks about the Father's peace, and he talks about the world's peace. You will experience God's peace, which must mean that there must be another peace that we can experience. And this... The difference between the world's peace and the Father's peace is the peace of the Father gives you the means that you can still function even in, in the middle of a storm. I'd be lying if I said, I don't get anxious. I'd be lying because that's not true. But I can honestly say I'm nowhere near as bad as I was 15, 20 years ago because I found how to live with a higher peace. Do I worry? Yes. Do I get anxious? Yes. But if anyone is struggling with anxiety on a daily basis, even on an hourly basis, this should be your go-to verse. And I want you to write this down and print it out. Print it out around the house. Put it on your phone. Put it as a screensaver. But John 14, 27 in the, in the NIV version is, is, so, is so profound. It says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not let them be afraid. Again, we see two types of peace. One is the world system of peace. What is the world system of peace? You've got to figure it out. You've got to struggle for it. You've got to work harder for it. You've got to stress for it. You've got to strive for it. And you can get it. But then the Father's peace is this. God's already figured out your life. Anyone saying, I prefer to get the Father's peace rather than the world system of peace? My peace I leave with you. God wants to leave his peace with you. My peace I give to you. God just doesn't want to leave a peace, his peace with you. He wants to give it to you. Have you ever hired a car? And when you hire a car, especially if the car you're hiring is nicer than the car you drive, you go home like, I wonder how much that is. When you hire a car and you have to give it back, it's like, ah, especially if it's nice in your car. Because they've left it with you, but they haven't given it to you. You know God's peace. God's not just going to leave you his peace today. He wants to give you his peace, Diane. He wants to give it to you. I love in the Amplified, it says, he has bequeathed it to us. What does that mean? It means it's our inheritance. As a child of God, peace is my divine right. In him. 
Your peace, my peace has been purchased by the blood of Jesus. I want to say something right now which will make the devil mad. And I want to release freedom over you. Are you ready? Are you ready? Here we go. You're all getting tired of me. It's warm. When you have a problem, it's still okay for you to go ahead and enjoy your life. When you have a problem, it is still okay for you to go ahead and enjoy your life. You don't have to miss the life which Christ gave you because you're carrying a problem. Why does the devil love to get us anxious? Because it steals our life, our laughter, our joy, our mischief. It steals all the things which God loves. Who loves seeing their children miserable? Miserable. It's the worst thing ever for a parent. It's the worst thing to see them sad and miserable. You know, that's how God feels. You know, God, he feels sad when he sees us carrying the anxieties, of it, especially when he says, I can carry them for you. If your little child came to you and said, I've been bullied at school and I don't have any money at break time, who knows, you'd do everything in your power to work it with the school to stop your child being bullied. You'd get them some money for their milk at, at break time. You'd do everything you can. You know, and as a parent, you feel helpless. But God has equipped us to give Give it back to him. Casting our cares on him. I give you permission to enjoy your life again this week. Tom and Amena, I give you permission to enjoy your life this week. Don't be anxious about anything. God's got your future. Every detail worked out. Some of you are sitting here in church. You can't even enjoy it because you're so anxious about this week. I give you permission right now to enjoy my preaching. I give you permission to be happy. You say, I am happy. Tell your face. I give you permission to have some mischief. I'm not going to say what that means, but you do what you need to do. Let's be honest. How many of us have worried in the past of all the stress and all the anxiety? Was it worth it? Was it worth it? It wasn't. It didn't do any good. I can pray. I can even write a book for you. I did that. But until you realize one thing, I'm going to say this as well. Anxiety is useless. It has no use in your life. There is not one thing you can use anxiety for that will benefit and add any joy or happiness to your life. So why do we, why do we spend so much time? Billy Graham said this. He said, I've read the last page in the Bible and everything works out good in the end. How good is that? Ultimately, somehow, everything is going to work out in your life. Bob Marley was right. Because every little thing is going to be all right. Don't worry about a thing. Because every little thing is going to be all right. Number six, and finally, are you ready? We've got one minute. We've got to shift from receiving to guarding. Then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, not the world's peace, His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. The final shift is that we have to guard against future anxiety. Because you might leave today and think, I'm done, I'm, whoa, we've dealt with this, I'm. I'm anxious for nothing. I'm, 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 I'm good to go. 
But let me tell you, that wasp is going to try and land on your arm again this week and sting you. And God's put up resistance. And these negative thoughts will try and return. The moment a negative thought, an anxious thought lands on your arm, you've got to resist it. James said, he says, resist the devil and he shall flee. How do we resist the enemy so he doesn't come back in this area? Four R's, you ready? Number one is this, remember your enemy is powerless. I'm gonna put a picture of the devil on the screen. It's not your mother-in-law. It's a scarecrow. Scarecrows, they look scary, they dress scary, but they can't harm anyone. All they do is play games with birds' minds. That's all they do. I've come here this morning to tell you and to tell the devil he's just a scarecrow. The devil has been playing games in your marriage. He's been playing games in your family. He's been playing games with you at night. He's been giving you anxious thoughts. He is just a scarecrow. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Some of you have got to take authority and remember, remember our enemy is powerless. Every time he drops a thought about what could happen, what should have happened, you just begin to tell him that this belongs to God. You are powerless. You are powerless in my life. Resist the devil and he shall flee. He's just a scarecrow. Number two, got to remember our enemy is powerless. And number two, remember our protection. The older I get, I'm realizing the, the power of this stuff. Sun cream. Went to Cape Verde once and ended up in a wheelchair because I didn't put any of this on. That's what the Brits do, isn't it? Berries on the beach. I literally ended up in a, in a wheelchair because I never put any. Mark Collins was pushing me around an airport. Very funny. But I learned the hard way. I learned the hard way that you've got to put your protection on. As I get older, and as probably as you get older, you up your protection. I used to be an oil guy and now I'm like a factor 15, 20 guy. And I suppose when I get to 70, I'll be a factor 50 guy. Because you know what? The more mature you are in God, you've got to up, up your protection. It's called SPF, isn't it? Sun protection factor. I'm going to change it and call it spiritual protection factor. Some of you, you're going out into work and university. You've not got any spiritual protection on you. You've got to protect yourself. What does that mean? Someone's getting a suntan there. You've got to protect yourself from the things which cause you anxiety. Do you know what that might mean? That actually might mean people. I'm not being rude here, but there's probably some relationships, some probably things you've got to disconnect from because they're causing you anxiety. There's probably some phone numbers you need to delete in your phone book. You've got to up your SPF, your spiritual protection. Just want to get the message across.
Why are you putting your masks on? It's not going to hurt you. You know what? It's exactly what you've got to do to the devil every morning. You've got to wake up and you've got to say enough is enough. Enough is enough. I'm going to protect myself against the enemy's thoughts, against the enemy's lines, against the enemy's attacks on my family. Which means there's certain social media sites you don't need to be on. There's certain, I'm tired of the media. I had a rant this week. I am tired of what the media is poisoning the people in our city and in our nation. Come off it. Raise your SPF factor. The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. He's protected you. He's anointed you. Number three. Doesn't look good, doesn't taste good. Remember, we need one another. We need one another. My personal walk with anxiety, I found that we need each other. That's why you need to be in a group because we need to help you. When you have an anxious thought, you need to be in a group. Don't do life alone. When you share your anxiety with someone, do you know what it does? It loses its power. It loses its power. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says, two are better than one. If one falls down, the other will lift them up. Number four, remember our daily bread. I'm going to finish with this powerful story. It's told of the bombing raids in World War II. Thousands of children were orphaned and left to starve in the UK. And after experiencing abandonment, many of these children were rescued and sent to refugee camps where they received food and shelter. But even in the, even in the presence of good care, they experienced so much loss, so many of them would not sleep at night because they were terrified. They would awake and find themselves homeless and hungry again. Nothing the adults did seemed to reassure them until someone thought about sending the children to bed with a loaf of bread. And holding onto the bread, the children were able to sleep. If they woke up frightened in the night, the bread seemed to remind them, I ate today, so I'll be able to eat again tomorrow. My peace I leave with you. Just like those children who held on to natural bread, we can hold on to the bread of life. If we ate today, we'll eat tomorrow. If God protected us today, He'll protect us tomorrow. Come on, come on. The Lord gives strength to His people. The Lord blesses His people with peace. Do not let your hearts be troubled, nor let them be afraid. Come on, if He looked after us this week, He'll look after us next week. Would you stand to your feet? Come on, if you're saying today, I need the shift from worrying to rejecting. Rejecting to trusting, trusting to humbling, humbling to thanking, thanking to receiving, and receiving to guarding. If you're saying today, I need to live with a fresh sense, raise my SPF. I recognize today that the devil is just a scarecrow. I recognize today that I don't have to live with anxiety, but there is another way. I recognize today that tomorrow can be a new day as I live not with the world's peace, which I strive for, I work for, but I can receive the peace of God. And it's a peace He gives to me and leaves with me. If you're saying today, I've struggled with anxiety, but today is a new day. I want you to slip up your hand all over this room, from the youngest to the oldest. Say, I'm struggling with this, but today is a new day. Come on, let's be honest. Let's search ourselves. 
David said, you anoint my head with oil. Father, I pray right now you'd anoint every mind, Father God, where there is a battle raging for peace, where there is a battle raging, Father God. I pray that the the peace of God, not the peace that the world brings, but the peace that you can only bring would guard people's hearts and guard people's minds. I pray this week would be a turning point for people. Father, we don't have to live with the wasps stinging us. We don't have to live with anxiety. We can live by casting our cares and our concerns onto you because you care for us. Come on, just receive his peace right now. Just lift up your hands wherever you are at home, on your bed, in the office, in the garden, wherever you're watching, unless you're driving. Just lift up your hands right now. Receive his peace. It's the peace that only God can bring. It's not the peace that the world brings. It's a peace that comes and goes, but the peace of God. I speak peace. I speak Jesus. I speak Jesus. I speak Jesus. I speak Jesus. Speak Jesus. This couple here, this gentleman here with the flowery shirt, this couple, I don't know if you're a couple, but God's about to release you from something. God's about to do something right now. He's about to release you from something you've been holding on to for many years. You know what it is, but right now, Father God, release my brother in Jesus' name. Release him. We do a divine exchange. We give you our anxiety. I speak peace over his mind. I speak peace over every area of his being. Come on, it's coming right now. There's a peace coming over you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Thank you, God. We're way over time, but I'm not stopping because God is moving. There's a lot of people, you're anxious about your children. You're anxious about your grandchildren. I want to pray peace right now. If you're anxious, it could be a whole lot of things. It could be to do with their, their faith. It could be to do with not being able to get to them, see them. But you're anxious about your children. Just lift up your hand. Where are you? You're anxious about your children. Come on, just be honest. You, you feel that anxiety. Father, right now I speak peace into that situation. I speak peace. Jesus for my family. Father, Lord, it breaks our hearts not to be able to get to our kids at this time. Father, I pray that you'd give the peace, not that the world can give, but only you can give, Father. I come against insomnia. I come against anything, Father, that is stealing peace when it concerns the children. Father, I thank you that you're looking after sons and daughters and grandchildren. You're protecting them. You're protecting their minds. You're protecting their careers. You're protecting them. I thank you that we know the end of the story. The end of the story, Father, is that we win. We win, Father. I speak salvation into homes, salvation into families. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you said the salvation prayer today, we'd love for you to email connecttofaith at soulchurch.com so we can talk to you a little bit more about this incredible decision that you've just made. Yeah, you know, and if at any point in the service you felt moved to give towards any of our local or global initiatives, then head to soulchurch.com and click on the giving at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope to see you again soon. God bless.